Hi, and really cool episode today with Tom Cronin. He's a famous meditation teacher. He did masterclass for Mind Valley and works with big corporates here in Australia. He used to be a banker for 26 years before following his passion as a Vedic meditation teacher. I know a few of you might be in regular corporate jobs and looking to add more purpose in your life. Well, that will be a cool one for you. And laughing if you like this podcast, please hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. And if you could also leave a nice review on the iTunes store, that would be amazing. Thank you for being here and have a good episode. Hello everyone and welcome to the 36th episode of Dreamers and Doers where I interview people who follow their passion and use it to make the world a better place. I think you're taking part in that, Tom. Welcome to the show. Thank you, it's good to be here. Yeah, it's great. Thanks, and yeah, I definitely think meditation has a big role to play in uh, making the world a better place. I guess you would agree with that? Yeah, absolutely, it's key mm. to it, yeah. Mm. Plays an essential role in it, I think, yeah. And so Tom's a Vedic meditation teacher, and you used to work in finance? That's right, as a broker. Yeah. I'm trading on floor. Mm. Um, yeah, so it'd be really interesting to hear about your story. I feel there are more and more people who have like kind of that traditional background, let's say, like a business school, working finance or consulting, and uh, then become quite passionate about, um, yeah, about meditation. So how do, and personal growth in general, yeah, how look, did you get into it? It's What's a natural progression, you know, people tend to come to me as a meditation teacher, you know, they come to me looking for some support, mm -hmm. and that's really where I was, you know, 20 odd years ago. Um, I was in a point in my life where things were just not working at all. I was mm -hmm. incredibly stressed. I had incredible um, anxiety, panic attacks, insomnia, mm -hmm. depression, and all of the things that I was doing to you know, make my life a better place were, were actually leading to my life being a worse place. And Which would be drinking, success, drugs, <laughs> success, money, you know, all the things yeah. that we, what we see is as external yeah. forms of fulfillment were really leading to an internal collapse you know in my own state of wellness and so I decided that there had to be another option to what I was doing and at that mm -hmm. point you know I was seeing doctors and psychiatrists and put on pharmaceutical drugs for mm -hmm. the state that I was in but I just knew deep down that there must be another option to this mm -hmm. you know there had to be another way to find my way out of this incredibly dark place that I was in I was very very depressed and that's when I started looking into the mind and meditation. And mm -hmm. you know, for me, when I discovered one particular style of meditation, I'd looked at a number of different modalities, but really what I found was that there was one style that it was really just a game changer. Like within a week, I started okay. to notice significant differences. Within three weeks, you know, a lot of the depression, anxiety started to lift. I'd gone back to work, I was sleeping better. And phenomenally, amazingly, most of those um, abnormalities those stress responses in my body started mm -hmm. just, just dissolve away. It was incredible. Okay. And why did you look into meditation and not like, let's say, psychoanalysis, for example? Look, I, I'd been seeing some psychologists. I'd been seeing a psychiatrist. I'd okay. been getting counselling. Okay. Um, but, you know... And that was before and then meditation came... Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I found was that even a number of holistic modalities yeah. that I was looking at and I don't want to discredit any of the holistic modalities that I was using, so I won't name any of them, but 
none of them really cut to the chase like the meditation did. None of them really put my body into the profoundly deep state of rest that allowed my body to start mm -hmm. healing itself. And a lot of people don't understand, like I didn't either, that meditation, the particular style that I was doing, was more a physiological transformational tool than it was a spiritual tool. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people think of meditation as some sort of pathway to enlightenment. Yeah. But first and foremost, when the mind's still, the physical body's level of rest is mm. so deep that the transformational capability of the body yeah. gets activated. Like healing your body. Totally, yeah. heal my body, yeah. And that was the amazing thing, mm. yeah. It's interesting how those simple things, I mean, it's obviously linked to meditation. I did an interview with a, a guy called Niraj Naik. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know him. No. He does sometimes um, breath work with Wim Hof, actually, and for okay. Mind Valley. And uh, he healed himself a lot through breath work. Oh yeah, I, I know the guy. Yeah, yeah. The renegade pharmacist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's a wild man. Yeah, but yeah, the breath work's pretty powerful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oxygenating the body would be like Wim Hof. But yeah, there's so many different modalities that really work on the physiological mm -hmm. level, and I think that's ground zero. It's the starting point that we've got to work with to get that body back into its reorganized state. Mm. And so. The technique that worked so well for you was Vedic meditation? Yeah, Vedic meditation, or it comes under a number of different names, Transcendental Meditation, Primordial Sound Technique. Um, the Art of Living style of meditation is also a mantra-based transcending meditation that using the device of the mantra to take the mind into deeper and deeper states of de-excitation, what it does is that it, it, it takes you to this point of transcendence. Mm -hmm. So number of different meditation modalities are all very good and useful but unless you can get the mind to that transcendent experience where the mind is awake and conscious but not having a thought then you're really not going to get the same level of deep rest that you get mm. in a thinking meditation like contemplation visualization or gratitude okay yeah. and i'll go quickly on this we're not here to compare but i'm quite interested personally because i've learned with vedic meditation mm -hmm. Um, and I'm always curious to do different things. For example, this morning I did a, a six-phase meditation, which is one day. Yeah, yeah one day. <laughs> yeah. uh, and in two days I'm going to uh, my first vipassana. Oh, retreat. nice! Awesome. So I'm exploring a little bit, yeah. but I'm really interested. So you said you tried different yeah. kind of meditations. What, what did you try? Um, all of them, from breath work to visualizations to gratitude, mm. you know, vision six-phase meditation. Um, and to be honest with you, I incorporate most of them on a daily basis okay. still. Um, I have my core meditation, which is the Vedic meditation mm -hmm. or Transcendental Meditation. And the reason why I make that my core meditation, because I'm in a very busy city, I'm running big businesses, I've got family and I've got a lot of things to do. And I require physiologically mm -hmm. regular states of deep rest that I get mm -hmm. through the Vedic meditation. But that said, I need to continually work at correcting the software in my mind. Mm. So I'm working on visualizations, on gratitude, yeah. on intention setting, and making sure that some of the coding in that software yeah. needs to be upgraded, yeah. just like yeah. our phones. Yeah, I usually do that at the end of my That's right. meditation. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So clear, clear the space yeah. first of the thoughts, yeah. and then reintroduce a new way of thinking mm. from a state of consciousness. That's interesting. I feel there's like a bit this. Like meditation is a very wide term, mm. and I feel there's like more this ancient practice, like you know, vipassana or Vedic, where you focus on your one anchor point, mm. and it's more about being aware of your thoughts. But very simple practice, and these maybe newer practices of, um, um, well, I guess not that new, but like let's say more goal oriented, mm. like gratitude or. 
who I want to become, visualization, affirmations. And uh, so you're mixing a bit the two. Yeah, always with a bit of tongue in cheek because it's really important for us all to understand that if there's always an I that's seeking, mm -hmm. if there's always an I that's full of gratitude, if there's always an I that's looking to set a goal, if there's always an I that is intention setting to get some outcome, mm -hmm. then we're not really there. Mm. It's the I that gets in the way. Ultimately, mm -hmm. we're always unbounded bliss. We're always being, we're always just presence. Um, and the more we put on the intention of the I, then the more we're going to resist and find mm. ourselves blocked from experiencing the fundamental truth of who we are, which is supreme being or deep stillness mm. and sweet peace. So we still want to operate in that. We still play in, in this plane, that's right. So yeah. we've got to understand that, yes, we're going to play in the field of relativity, but mm -hmm. make sure that we're aware that we're playing in that field. And so... Um, it's not getting caught up in the ownership and I still get caught up in the story, mm. the storyline of life. Um, yeah. We call it in Sanskrit, Yupasan Khan Leia. And so um, it's, it's acknowledging like if you're an actor, you know you're playing a role yeah. as the actor. Yeah. Um, you're not actually having those extreme emotional upheavals mm. whilst you're in the film unless you're a method actor maybe. But even then that can be detrimental to the actor if they get too mm. engaged in the role. Um, some say Heath Ledger got too engaged in his role and that affected him. Mm. Um, what happens to most of us, is, nearly all of us, is we get so bought into the idea yeah. of us being in, in that role that mm. we forget that we're actually in the role. Is that how you... So we're going to be drifted, <laughs> but that's super interesting. Yeah. We'll go then more pragmatically on, on uh, meditation for performance. But um, so is that how you see life as a uh, kind of a play? Do you think it's, a yeah, it's a play. Yeah. It's called Lila in Sanskrit. Okay. L-I-L-A. Okay. So this is the unmanifest having a play, a dance, mm. in manifestation. It's exploring the deliciousness and multifacetedness of, um, of manifestation yeah. in, in numerous forms. And so it's the divine essence, which is the essence of all things and all reality, even down at a sort of quantum level. Yet, for a period of time, it's having this exciting, adventurous time yeah. in manifestation. Mm. Nice. Um, let's get let's get more into practicals of it in the into the play uh -huh. um, because uh, yeah my second question was uh, I think it's not uh, random that meditation becomes more and more popular especially we live in worlds where we have more and more distraction where we I don't like this world world but we're more and more busy living that busy world and. So do you feel, I guess I know the answer to that, that we need even more meditation sure. in our busy world? And I'm thinking, obviously, of those high-stress corporate environment or entrepreneurial spaces. Yeah, it's a polarity. It's just simply polarity being played out where um, one extreme increases itself, so the other extreme has to increase itself. Mm. And that's just balancing out things. The more stress we have, the more people look for an alternative to that stress. Yeah. Um, if we all lived in monasteries and lived in beautiful remote places, we probably wouldn't have this... And chronic yearning to find peace and mm. stillness within inside ourselves because the external world will be providing peace and stillness for us. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a very um, wonderful time to be a meditation teacher. <laughs> but uh, it's a challenging time for humanity. It really is a difficult time and it's only going to get more and more challenging on a number of levels. Mm. So I think what we're seeing is a speeding up of the wakening up process. Yeah. And that generally tends to happen out of discomfort. So mm. although we're all experiencing extreme levels of discomfort, I think what it's squeezing us through is a little funnel to the other side of what life's mm. like when we wake up. Mm. And so pragmatically, how can meditation can 
uh, help people who can feel overwhelmed a bit, lacking time, mm. um, not really in the driver's seat of, the, of their life yeah. sometimes. It really is just such an incredibly simple thing as it was for me as well. I had immense levels of overwhelm and all sorts of anxiety and it really comes down to just transcending that time to transcend moment and to come into a deep stillness and what happens is that two things happen one is physiologically your body's just going to mm -hmm. repair its nervous system that's just so overwhelmed with mm -hmm. all that information and all that activity but secondly you're going to get out of that incessant thinking about the future and the past because your mind is never engaged in the moment the mind's in the future and the past mm -hmm. And by transcending the thinking process, what happens is we start to really spontaneously live more in the moment and be more present. And when we're present, we have no stress. Mm. And so that instant well-being, because we know that stress is related to That's so right. many yeah. illnesses. Yeah, absolutely. We, we can't be happy and be stressed. Mm. We can't sleep well and be stressed. We can't feel love in our hearts and have great relationships when we're stressed mm. because stress is the impediment to those three things sleeping, happiness and love um, and the other real benefit is performance rise, right? So is what? performance wise? performance performance yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pardon my French because <laughs> uh, yeah, obviously you're so, going to feel better yeah. and it's good for wellness but I know there are also a lot of young high achiever that might be listening to this and it's also I mean for me I think it really enhanced my performance I think probably like just the, in terms of focus mm. I, I just put into like focus and clarity focus being more like being better at the task I'm doing and clarity being more choosing the task better yeah I, I think it comes even more scientifically than that and one is simple brain functionality um, when we're stressed we have a very limited brain functionality we're operating from a very reptilian part of the brain mm -hmm. it's a function of conservation and really what the body is constantly trying to do is is focus on survival so if you're in a, a stress response the body's interpreting your situation to be very dangerous and so what happens when we're in a stress state response is that we shut down this frontal lobe of the brain which is the ceo it's the mm -hmm. sort of creative intuitive um, the clarity that comes from our thinking level when we're stressed, we're operating from this very primal reptilian part of the brain. So we're getting very impaired, limited brain functionality. And it's shown for a meditator, not only in meditation, but for a longer term meditator that sustains levels of calm, their brain level of coherence and activation is phenomenal. You know, we see much more brain coherence happening for meditators um, in meditation and meditators for, who have been sustaining long term meditations yeah. outside of meditation. Yeah, do you think actually neuroscience and uh, some of these new sciences are also playing a major role in, the, in how popular meditation becomes? Yeah, I guess that's because a, we kind of need to, in the Western world, need to work everything out. Yeah. You know, if something's working, we want to know why is it working. Yeah. It's funny, I had a retreat I was running not long ago in Maui um, a few years ago, and one of the guys came out of the meditation, he's like, holy shit, this stuff works. Mm. I'm like, dude, this has been around for 5,000 years. Mm. And there's a reason why this has stood the test of time and mm. what we're doing now with Western science is just starting to catch up, that's mm. all. We're just starting to catch up by going, okay, why have these guys been doing it and why do they but look so happy? But there's probably things people have been doing for 5,000 years that don't make sense and that we stopped and it was a good idea to stop. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but this didn't stop, and there's a reason why it didn't stop, yeah. and there's, there's a reason why people are still getting a lot of benefits out yeah. of it. Yeah. Now we can apply science to it and validate why yeah. that's the case. Mm. But yeah, the science is, I think, um, yeah, so that graph, I think it was in altered states. Mm -hmm. I haven't read the book, but it's like a book about the science of meditation. They were looking at the scientific studies on meditation. It's like really exponential. Um, most of them are pretty conclusive. Yeah, yeah. Do you think, um, you were saying in our Western world, we kind of tend to want to explain. Uh, do you think it's kind of a bad habit we have? Um, yeah, look, you know, we get caught up in the cerebral aspect of things a little bit too much rather than just trusting how we feel. Mm. And, you know, for me, I just say to people, um, you know, when I'm running my weekend workshops, when I'm teaching people online, I basically say, look, I'm going to give you all the instructions to optimize your meditation practice. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to tell you what you should and shouldn't do. I'm going to suggest what's the best practice. Yeah. Now, you go away and you do your own research and you let your own feeling level determine whether that's relevant for you or mm. not. Now, you might find that this meditation isn't the right one for you. That's totally cool. Do your research and check how you feel when you do this meditation. Check how you feel when you don't do this meditation. Mm. Check how you feel when you do this meditation only once a week. Um, and let your own personal experience and that fine level of feeling. We, we really got to start trusting that fine level of feeling, but we're a very cerebral society. We're very much caught in the um, analytical thinking part of, of life. Mm. And I guess when you go to, to work with corporate co corporates, for example, mm -hmm. they kind of want something that typically sure. the kind of people who want like kind of proofs and yeah. know how it yeah. works. Uh, what do you usually use to convince them? Yeah, I use a number of different things, and you're right, the corporates um, predominantly want to speak to their bottom line, that's the number one goal for most of the corporates, and I do a lot of corporate uh, events, I've got two next week actually, with two very large companies in Australia, mm. and um, the first thing I give them is a PwC report that showed through a lot of research that for every $1 a company spends on mental health for their staff, they get on average $2.30 back. Okay. And small companies and miners get uh, on average $14 back oh. as a return on investment for that $1 spent. So it's pure basic maths. They're going to get less absenteeism, better productivity, better brain functionality, mm. and um, just generally a better, happier, healthier workplace. So that's the first thing I lend to them uh, as a sort of uh, convincing that's argument. To, that's to get in the building? Yeah, that's to get in the front door. <laughs> to the employees. And then after that, um, I give them stats on absenteeism and mental health. Um, and I also um, generally just show brain functionality um, mm. statistics on, yeah. on how the brain works better. Mm. And then if that still hasn't got them across the line, I talk to them about the world's largest hedge fund manager called um, Ray Dalio, who says that the key to his success, and this guy manages $160, $180 billion worth of assets, without doubt probably the greatest hedge fund manager of all time. Um, you know, he says that meditation, closing your eyes, emptying your mind, finding stillness is the key to his success. Mm. So um, by then hopefully they've signed on the dotted line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I get the contract. And to go back to that PwC study, do you know, um, or like maybe do you measure the results when you, for example, one month after, two months after, is there like uh, a way to track the improvements that the company usually requires? Um, I don't personally because it's not my domain to do that. Yeah. Um, I generally leave the companies to, to because they're the ones spending the money. Yeah. And they oh, like for example, uh, PwC, did, what, what criteria did they use? I'm not so, sure. I, I just got the, the document that yeah. was the results of their studies. 
Um, what I do have is um, a booklet that I've compiled, which has, I would say, close to 2,000 testimonials from people that I've taught over the last sort of 10 years. Mm. And um, these aren't testimonials that I've gone out asking for. People have basically sent me an email, a Facebook message, an Instagram message. I only posted one on my Instagram wall the other day from a, a 15 year old girl mm. who just, out of the blue, like, you know, these people, this one yeah. girl had bought my online program for teenagers. And, um, you know, I, I didn't even know she'd bought the program. She was in another country. And um, out of the blue, 12 months later, she said that this program has literally changed my life and I just felt like reaching out to you and telling you that. So um, to me, um, that alone is enough testimony yeah. to, to validate it. I mean, I'm not gonna argue with this <laughs> because I started Vedic meditation like a bit more than two years ago and one year after I was like talking all about it and creating meditation <laughs> programs too. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah. Yeah, I remember when I first learned after literally about three to six months, I was, I, I just, I couldn't understand why the world wasn't doing this. Mm. Uh, and that's when I started the Stillness Project and the yeah. film that we're producing. And so um, I, just, I just was just so motivated and driven yeah. that some form of stillness that people have to be embracing is so important. So you're talking about this, what do you think of people who say, um, oh, surfing's my meditation or cooking's my meditation? Sure, yeah. yeah. My mum used to say mowing because she's got a three acres of gardens and she'd yeah, sit on a ride on mowing. Yeah. For her, that was her meditation. Um, but what ten I tend to find, and I say this to people, look, if your technique is working for you yeah. and you're not having a stress response and life is just flowing for you and you're having an amazing relationships and everything's going really well, just keep doing it. You know, mm. seriously, there's no need to rock the boat. You don't need to change things just because some celebrities do. You to think do it. so, though? Because um, so many people come into, let's say, personal growth in general and meditation out of deep suffering, and that was kind of your story too. Uh, I felt like, obviously, I, I, I was kind of seeking something, otherwise I wouldn't have started if everything was perfect. But um, I like to send a message to that even if you're going pretty well why not you know sure. eat more healthy and exercise a bit more now and meditate mm. before you start suffering yeah look I mean you know I, I was being extreme that you know just keep doing it but uh, ultimately the reason why I say that is because I know that that's not going to be sustainable yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know that ultimately there is always going to be evolution there's always going to yeah. be growth and once we uh, there's a wonderful quote by Dr. John Martini says if you're green, you grow, and if you're ripe, you rot. And if you think you've arrived, if you think you're there, if you think that you've got all the answers, then um, you're going to find there's a collapse mm. in the system. And um, look, yeah, absolutely. Just finding the tools that continually help us wake up. Mm -hmm. um, surfing is a great device. It's a great level of relaxation. But um, is it giving you the deep level of rest is it expanding your mind? Mm. Is it um, you know, giving you access to the field of consciousness? Is yeah. it giving you access to the unboundedness of being? Is it liberating you from the bondage of expectation and duality? Um, mm. then, then maybe you want, might wanna start exploring other techniques. Yeah, yeah. So you just get like maybe the relaxation part, the being in the present part yeah. of meditation, but missing out of, on, on these things you just referred to. Yeah, look, I had a family member that uh, was going through all sorts of stress and I said, look, you know, you, maybe you might want to think about um, learning to meditate, you know, and he said, well, look, I, you know, golf's my meditation. Mm -hmm. And I said, that, that's awesome, you know, I'm, I'm, I really think golf could be relaxing. But how often are you playing golf? 
Mm. And he said, well, you know, once a month maybe. Mm. I said, cool. And, you know, um, how, how is that when you come off the golf course? You know, are you feeling like stressed still because you sunk a ball on the ninth hole into mm. the water and threw your club down and slammed? You know, maybe it wasn't as relaxing as you actually think, you know, and mm. maybe you went and had a few beers after it and maybe that didn't work well mm. for your nervous system either. So, you know, we've really got to assess the different modalities that we're using and, and ask, is it the most efficient form of, mm. um, you know, rest and repair that we need and mind expansion? Mm. And I was uh, interested also yeah, in uh, like how do you think meditation is kind of so you talked about this awakening that's happening fast due to mm -hmm. something we need more than ever probably yeah uh, so how do you see meditation the impact of meditation on the world in the coming maybe 20 years 30 years um it's a really good question. It's something in our film, which we'll talk about in a minute, but I've made a feature documentary that really presents uh, a tipping point that we're mm. getting close to arriving at, a fork in the road. And um, if, if we don't have the capacity to make changes very soon, mm -hmm. uh, it may well be too late. Mm. Um, I, I, in what terms? Um, do you think of the environment, wars? A, a number of different things. Um, just this whole notion of get more to be more is, mm -hmm. is, is yeah. absolutely killing the planet. It's killing ourselves. Um, the, the constant notion of other being a source of fulfillment. If I get more, if I have more, if I get more love, if I get more mm -hmm. money, if I get more cars, uh, more holiday homes. Um, if we're continually looking outside of ourselves for true fulfillment, obviously knowing that that's not where it can come mm. from. Um, in fact, there was a, a book I'm reading at the moment called Lost Connection and they were doing a study into external sources of fulfillment, those people that are, are looking for ex external places of fulfillment, um, extrinsic value, mm. they called it, looking for extrinsic value. They found that when they got that object that they were searching for, a new car or a new holiday mm -hmm. home or whatever, they found that there was zero improvement in their levels of happiness. Yeah. Whereas intrinsic value... Just have a little spike and then... That's it, and it drops back. Back on the yeah. hedonic treadmill. That's right. And those people that were looking for intrinsic value, mm. that is a deep sense of knowingness, a deep sense of identity, found that their levels of fulfilment continue to elevate. Mm. So that's what the shift we have to make on the planet. We have to look for in, intrinsic value, internal value, um, until we start looking internally, and that's into the inner quiet place. Mm. And I think we're always going to have these chronic dilemmas that we have on the planet right now. Yeah, I think that's also why I'm doing Vipassana. Mm. It's like, I want to, you know, we live in Bondi Beach and it's pretty good life. Yeah. You can go surfing, mm. you wake up, you go to the beach and uh, I love my job, etc. But um, at the end of the day, I want to be fulfilled with very little that mm. comes from within. Mm. So you don't, you've done Vipassana? I haven't actually. I would like to one day, yeah. Mm, very keen. Okay. I've been too busy to do Vipassana. Too, <laughs> too busy oh. to meditate. <laughs> 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 so I've got children and I've got you know a wonderful wife and a busy lifestyle at the yeah. moment while I get this film out but okay. I've, I've kind of made a commitment after the film's released and I've got mm -hmm. a lot of time open up hopefully um, I'll, I'll take some time out and go and do mm -hmm. the bachelor. I've, uh, I've been busy from yeah, the words I use. Yeah, I think it's good. I think it's good. <laughs> I think we need to be occupied and, and active with our time yeah. and but yeah. obviously not busy. What do you tell people when they say I'm too busy to meditate. Uh, I say that we just need to reassess our set of values. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I generally say, uh, not, I generally suggest that they pause mm-hmm. and ask out of all the activities that they did on a daily yeah. basis, uh, how fulfilled are they now? Yeah. And um, has that led them to that level of fulfillment that they were searching for in the action, the motivating mm. factor behind that action? And um, generally, most of the time, the answer is no, because mm. it simply is not possible. The more busy we become, it's been proven that the less fulfilled we become. Mm. There's a correlation there. Do you feel meditation helped you with time management? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there's a wonderful suggestion that meditators become a time billionaires. Mm. Mm. Yeah, there's that little cartoon I show a lot. It's uh, two guys carrying stones on them. Like an, in a little cart, it has square wheels, mm. and there's a guy coming with round wheels <laughs> and be like, "Hey guys, I got something." And the guys are like, "Keep carrying it." Are like, "Oh no, we're too busy. <laughs> stop, <laughs> stop bothering us." <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's pretty self-explanatory. Um, yeah. Okay. So, are you excited about the times to come? Then, if you think they'll. Gonna be under- so do you think it's kind of one or the other? Like we need that awakening, but you're not too sure. I'm kind, I'm kind of ambivalent about it. You know, as I, are you I, optimistic about the future? Um, I'm optimistic about the planet Earth. Yeah. Um, whether that has humans on it, I'm not sure. Okay. But if if we evolve to the point where we stay, then that's going to be great for planet Earth. Mm. It's going to be really good. Um, if, if we don't, then that's going to be really good for planet Earth as well. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, the Earth's going to be fine um, if, if, with humans if we evolve and, and without humans if, if we don't. Mm, okay. So I, I don't get excited or I don't get sad either. Um, I'm just observant of where we're at yeah. and I'm motivated to see what I can do to remedy yeah. the current status quo um, and, and hopefully um, that can inspire some level of change. Yeah. So how many students have you had since you started? When did you become a Vedic meditation teacher? Gosh, it was probably, it's 2010, I think, so eight okay. years now. Okay. Um, it's hard to quantify because uh, I've had many students in front of me with corporates, some of them mm-hmm. doing Vedic meditation weekend workshops, okay. some people on retreats, some people online. Mm. Um, yeah, so you know the students are spread far and wide around the world. Um, so uh, I just, don't get too much caught up in the numbers, just yeah, keep yeah. doing what I do, you know, just yeah. turn up to... But roughly, I think that'd be like a beautiful impact. Yeah. You'd like to think so, you know. Yeah. It's, um, I think we're all making impact in some way. So yeah. It's called an event horizon where we have this fear of influence of some way, shape or form. So, um, yeah, it's just about really trying to be present with what I'm, what, what, what I'm doing with my actions, with my words with my vibration mm. and trying to do the best you can. Mm. But we're all fallible, you know, it's really important to accept our humanity as well. Um, one thing I really want to emphasize is that, yes, I am a meditation teacher, but um, I'm not an enlightened guru. So, you know, I still mm. struggle with my own humanity and my I grapple with my own experience of life. And so um, I'm certainly by no means a, a sage to be put on the stage. Mm. It's more just, you know, um, I've been qualified to pass on a technique and, um, and, and that's what I, I'm trained in doing and try and do that as best I can.
but still yeah. still make mistakes along the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you meant. And actually, Chong has a question. It's very interesting. It's, uh, he used to be uh, to work in finance, mm -hmm. and quit, he recently quit to create something called Awake Sydney. Ah, right, awesome. Um, it's like conscious, da conscious dance parties and deep house yoga. So I went to the first event, it was like a couple of weeks ago. Hi Chong, thanks for your question. Was there a specific event or experience that led to your final decision to begin in this new direction? Yeah, was there like, so you say it was gradual, definitely a few things, but was there like, um, yeah, like the little drop um, it was more gradual. Uh, there was definitely becoming very, very difficult for me to go yeah. to work every day. It was becoming yeah. very apparent that maybe an example or two of, of things that made it really clear. Um, I think the first thing was just this this inner compulsion to to go because I kept referring many, many of my friends to other Vedic meditation teachers. Okay, and so the first thing without trying it. No, I, I was a Vedic meditation okay, okay. student, but. Because it was so profound for me, I was like, "My gosh, you've got to learn this." Technique. So, what pushed you to do meditation? Like, was there? Examples? Oh, the meditation itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you meant to. Um, do you mean to change jobs, Chong, or do you mean? Maybe to... answer answer both. Then. I'll answer both. Yeah. So, to change jobs, to leave finance and become yeah. a full time yeah. founder of the Stillness Project, um, the first thing was I, I did meditation teacher training. Because oh, yeah. I just was referring them to all these teachers, mm. and I'm like, I might as well just do this and okay. teach them myself. So yeah, I actually, I think that was in his question. I think that'll be mine too, because okay. sometimes I wonder, you know, oh, do you want to go forward too? So yeah, what was that step that made you think I want to be a teacher? Yeah, I think just the fact that I was very moved by the technique of meditation, and a lot of people um, could see that it had changed me as well. Yeah. And so, because I was referring and very good at referring people to all the teachers, a lot of my friends, I kind of just saw, you know, it's 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 got to be maybe I should just do it and teach them part time. So I did my teacher training part time while I was a broker. Mm -hmm. uh, I did it on my weekends for six months and took some time off work to do okay. the long meditation stint that we have to do for training. And then I started teaching part time. So I'd leave the broken room floor at five o'clock, five thirty when the markets yeah. closed go to my studio in the city mm. and start teaching part-time. So I was kind of working these two worlds at once, which was teaching meditation and working as a broker mm. on a trade. <laughs> it was a really weird time. And even on my holidays, I started running retreats yeah. in Bali. So I'd take work holidays and go and run a retreat in mm. Bali. But then I, I, what I, I started to work on was a, a model that would allow me to scale that business. Yeah. Because you know I was in finance and I had a mortgage and I had wife and kids. So I really had to find out a way to scale meditation mm. teaching and to a, have greater impact. I was very mm. limited with the amount of people I could reach. And at this point, we'd arrived at the internet. Yeah. You know, the internet arrived on the scene and I started thinking, you know, I started getting inquiries from all over the world. So that's when I started to look okay. at different ways to teach online. Um, and then we started the film project. So over time, when I found that the business model was looking like it might be a transitional point, I, yeah. I said, okay, it really is time for me mm. to make this uh, a whole hard move. I can ask you, you know, sometimes when we change paths like this, people are like, okay, well, yeah. Tom lost it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like my mom, when I started Vedic meditation, thought I was in your cult, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and my friends are like, what happened to Alex? Was it, was it hard on that? Uh, there was definitely quite Maybe a few Maybe it was people. your family even. Yeah, yeah, you know, some people thought I was pretty crazy. Um, and to be honest with you, most people in our society, you know, I was 
I don't know, I won't say what, but a very substantial six-figure salary. I'd been, you know, one of the leading brokers in Australia for 26 years in the same company. So obviously at that point, things had gone very well financially for me. And to walk away from that into being a meditation teacher um, certainly wasn't a great financial choice. Mm. Um, and, and to this day, it's still, you know, there's no way I could recoup that level of money that I was making in finance doing what I'm doing. But if someone, you know, even now there's the opportunity to go back, and I just couldn't do that. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's, you know, I'd rather... And I, and I understand that, but when you were making the shift, did you, were you very confident and really didn't care about what people would say? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I just knew so deeply that this was the path that I had to yeah. take, and it really yeah. was. It's a, it was just an unconditional choice. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, ask your questions, guys, if you have, because we're going to wrap it up with... So you have a film coming up. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty exciting. Yeah, t tell us about what you're up to at the moment. Yeah, the big... And how people can follow you. Sure, yeah. sure. I, I think the, the main focus of my attention at the moment, I've had like five meetings already today on it, is um, the, comp the film that we're releasing later on this year called The Portal. And The Portal is a beautiful story of six personal lives, six stories that are at breaking point. They're all going mm -hmm. through a major crisis and they all have one thing in common and that's this modality that they all use to get through that crisis and that's The Portal. They go through the, the portal of meditation or stillness mm -hmm. and they find um, these incredibly diverse stories all find this um, commonality on the other side of meditation and that's uh, profound levels of clarity and calmness and um, a lightness and their relationships improve and their life just generally gets better. And so the portal is this beautiful rich journey following these six personal stories. And we've got three experts that also present a global backdrop of what is it like for humanity as a collective if we don't go through the portal, what is the mm. price to pay as we are on the cusp of a major crisis point um, that could see on environmental, nuclear, economic, um, you know, so many different um, different ways that we could see ourselves enter into a very cataclysmic time. And so I'm really excited about that film and the book that's coming out with it and there's a masterclass as well. So they can find that just by going um, currently to theportalmovie.com okay. and putting their details in there and staying on the journey with us. And um, when, when is it out? It will be coming out probably around uh, sort of later half of this year. Okay. Yeah. Mm, exciting. So that's the main. And the masterclass, what is it? Yeah, that will be a, a, a basically a, a program to support people going through crisis and turbulence mm -hmm. and to get to the other side. And that can be anything from PTSD, trauma, depression, okay. anxiety. It's a very holistic approach mm. to taking your life and finding what's on the other side of that turbulence. And turbulence mm. is really just a, a, a guidance system for mm. humanity to find truth. And do you still work with Mind Valley? Um, I wouldn't say work with them. I mean, we've yeah. done a lot of work in the past. Okay. Um, you sort of, with Mind Valley, you sort of come and go as a published author. So they've, okay. I've been a published author with Mind Valley. They're great people. Mm. Got a lot of time for them. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if people want to follow you? Um, they can go to Stillness Project, just stillnessproject.com or tomcronin.com. Find me there as well. Okay. We have a little tradition uh -huh. on this show. We finish with a big warm hug. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much. Good to be here. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for watching. And Thank you. I hope that convinced people to meditate. And definitely was super interesting in terms of uh, yeah why it's so applicable today. So thanks, Tom. Pleasure. Thanks, guys, for watching. Thanks for joining us.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Dreamers and Doers and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss any episode. If you want to encourage us, you can leave a good review on iTunes. Now with Unlocked, I'm doing way more than this podcast. And if you go to unlocked.me, that's U-N-L-O-C-K-T, you can find a newsletter, an online community, a blog, and mainly our programs. We have a free four-day morning routine challenge that you can do today. And the idea is to give you a little snapshot of how good you can feel implementing little tips and doing these little activities. So I hope to see you in the challenge and thanks again for the support.